We're going to start a six-week series, um, and it's by Steve Gaines. We are going to have some, some DVD clips that we'll watch. The good thing about these clips, the, this first one especially, is, is different speakers. So it's not just Steve Gaines. If you don't know Steve Gaines, um, he is a pastor. Uh, I forget where he is. Anybody help me out? I, sh- I should know, but um, anyway. Um, him and, and several other speakers, preachers, and, and guys are going to be sharing tonight in that video, but then we'll have some time afterwards discussing. But it is called Pray Like This, Living the Lord's Prayer. And so we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. Um, many of you know that the Lord's Prayer is mentioned twice. It looks a little different in both places. Looked, I researched that a lot. There's not a lot of answers to it. I'll just go ahead and say that. If somebody's got more answers, you can, you can maybe fill me in. Um, but there is a little, little difference on how it's brought up and, and how it looks. But we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6, um, verse 9. And so um, we're going to talk about different aspects of the Lord's Prayer and what that means for our prayer life. I want to ask you this question. It's on your handout. You can write it down. Um, how about this? I'll give you, I'm going to give you one minute to think on it. How about that? And here's the first question. What's one word you would use to describe your prayer life? Are they in the back? Melanie put them out for me. Sorry about that, Jane. What's one word you would use to describe your prayer life? Write that down right now. One minute and go. Be honest. All right, I didn't start a timer, so I'm just guessing. Um, who, wants to, who wants to share first? I'll go first. How about that? Does that make you feel easier? Um, I, I've thought about this a few days, um, and I think for me, and, and I don't, sometimes I like to blame it on uh, mind issues, but I think inconsistent for me. Be honest right here. Hopefully you'll be honest as well. But I think inconsistencies. I mean, sometimes my prayer life is, is good. Sometimes uh, throughout the day, sometimes one, you know, in the morning. Sometimes I mean, it's just like, you know, and, and, and being constant, always coming back, being persistent, like the Lord says. Um, maybe not so. Um, what about you? One word. What's that? Evolving. All right. You want me to read it for you? Lackluster. That's good. Yeah. Who else? Awesome. <laughs> I don't feel so bad now. Somebody say lackluster. Donna won't feel so bad. No. This is good. What else? Sorry? Sporadic. Inadequate. Good, yeah, selfish. Anemic. <laughs> Mark would. What else? Growing, that's good. Uh-oh. All right, go ahead, two words. Oh, wow, yeah, that's good. Miss Angie is a prayer warrior. I'll say that. I know she might not say that, but she is. 
What else? One more. Who's it going to be? Repetitive. Okay. That's good. Now let me ask this question. Then we're going to watch, we're going to read, and then we're going to watch this video. But if you could make your prayer life different in one way, what would it be? You could change something about your prayer life. And, and some of it is, you know, with the word that we used, obviously probably the opposite of that word, right? Um, but if there was something you, you could change about your prayer life, what would it be? Undisturbed. Wow. You find that, let me know. <laughs> Undisturbed. What else? I'll put, I'm sorry, go ahead. More consistent. I'll put it another way. After the six weeks, what do you hope to get from another study on prayer? You know what I'm saying? It seems like, and we, we did one last year. I mean, I think it's one of the greatest disciplines that we can instill in our lives, right? So why not try to improve on that discipline? Um, but if you could, if, what, what do you hope to gain from coming on Wednesday night? Powerful prayer life. Fervent prayer. To go deeper. Say it one more time. Okay, so to grow in your relationship with God. I think for me, more faith. Believing that when I pray, God's going to answer. You ever feel like sometimes when you pray that nothing's going to change? I mean, we probably get in our lives like that, and maybe it has to do with our relationship at the time. I want us to do this. And, and I've, I've heard a lot of people have memorized the Lord's Prayer, and this is probably one of those things that even the secular world, they've, they've memorized. I've heard football teams um, quote this before they go out on games. And I'm like, why? <laughs> why are you saying it? You know what I'm saying? It's almost, it's just, it's just one of those things we do. We repeat it. And, and, and I don't want to do that. And I don't think Jesus is trying to convince us that this is what we pray exactly. Uh, but I think there's some good principles in this that we're going to learn through this study. But I want us to read this each time we come together on Wednesday night. But I want you to read it, not just to read it, not just to recite it, but I want us to just really dwell on it. Can we do that? So we're going to read this one. Hopefully by the end, you'll have it memorized. If you don't already have it memorized, you might have it memorized in another translation. Uh, but I put it here in the NIV. So we're going to read this. I'm going to read it out loud together. Can we do that? Let's just read it out loud from the paper we have. So starting now, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I want to pray real quick. Father God, I pray that this not just becomes something we recite, something we memorize. God, but it becomes something that means something in our heart. God, I pray tonight. I pray for revival. Not, not, in, not in everybody's life, but my life, God. God, would you do something through this study, Father, that would help me not... 
Lord, not just to, to see more prayers answered, God, but to, to really just be faithful in coming to you, depending on you, trusting in you, Father. Lord, so many times we do a study, so many times we, we read something and we just don't follow through, God. Lord, tonight I pray that you would change me. Tonight I pray that the words that we hear, not just the words, but the scriptures that we read, God would impact our lives forever. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Watch this video. We'll come back and we'll answer some questions. I'll have victory in my life. What a great prayer. Jesus gave it to us, and we're going to study, and we're going to ask him exactly what the disciples said in the parallel text over in Luke. Lord, teach us. Hi, I'm Steve Gaines, and I want to welcome you to this study on the Lord's Prayer. We're going to be looking at six different topics, and you and your group, you're going to really enjoy studying about things like our Father who is in heaven, His holy name, how to revere Him and worship Him, and then God's kingdom and His will coming in your life, and then asking Him to give you your daily bread, praying for everything that you need every day, and then asking God to forgive you as you forgive other people, and then finally we'll be talking, say, God, will you please help me have victory over temptation and also to engage in spiritual warfare so that the devil does not have victory in my life. What a great prayer. Jesus gave it to us, and we're going to study, and we're going to ask him exactly what the disciples said in the parallel text over in Luke. Lord, teach us to pray, and if we will pray according to the Lord's Prayer, God will do just that. It's going to be a great study. I'm excited about it. Let's get started. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored. Honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts. As we also have forgiven our debtors. Do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us, deliver us from the evil one. You know, theologians have said that of all aspects of the doctrine of salvation, uh, the idea of adoption uh, may be the, the greatest and most meaningful. Uh, and I can understand that because when you realize that prior to coming to faith in Christ, uh, we were enemies, uh, we were alienated from God, we were, even his, we were hostile to Him. And uh, through grace uh, and faith in Christ, not only does He bring us into His kingdom, He brings us into His family. And we are now his adopted sons and daughters. And so to be able to call the God of the universe my personal father and to be able to talk to him anytime in the most intimate way uh, is just one of the great, great blessings of uh, what it means to know Christ and to, and to be a Christian. Well, what's really interesting to me is all religions pray. And uh, most surveys show that it's probably the most religious activity of Americans is to pray. And so it's a natural part of what we're doing. When Jesus spoke this, he really understood that people pray, and he divides the line not between those who pray and don't pray, but between those who pray and those who pray effectively and effectually. And, he, it, and the, the phrase, our Father, really is the key to the whole process of prayer because no religion prays to a father. No religion has that intimacy with a father. And even among the Jews, Jesus was radical and that he said, I want you to do more than call him Father. I want you to call him Papa, Abba. And so it is the gateway of prayer. It's where we 
walk into his presence. So what's really interesting is a father has a home and he has a family. And uh, there are other people who live in that home, potentially, but they're either renters or servants. But he tells us to pray as children would pray. In other words, a renter prays, let's say, um, because he asks things of the Father or of God, but he, it's because he pays his rent on time. It's because he does certain things. And uh, a child doesn't pay rent. A child is by relationship with the Father, and he runs into the Father's presence at the most inopportune times. And, but he has total access. He has total affection. And he has total love from the Father, which produces a confidence in prayer like nothing else. And even if he comes running in dirty, soiled, and uh, hurt, uh, he has access and he has care. The the theologian J.I. Packer uh, in Knowing God, which is one of the most impacting books I've ever read, um, he says that if you want to find out how much somebody really understands Christianity, find out how much they make out of the idea of the fatherhood of God. Because ultimately what... um, what drives our worship, what drives our intimacy with God is the sense of him being father. Uh, you know, um, he points out that uh, father is the thing that God has always been from eternity past. Um, God hasn't always been a creator. God became, he became a creator when he created, but God has always existed eternally as a, as a father. And it's just, it's an inherent part of his nature. It's, it's unique to what Jesus and the Bible reveals about God. It you know, separates him from every other religion. And so um, in the concept of father is all the essence of salvation, all the essence of our relationship with God. It's the place of safety from which we bring our petitions to God. Um, it's the place, I mean, with my children, I think about how they relate to me. They don't come into my presence. I'm going to earn my favor. Um, they don't come in with, you know, trying to, um, you know, well, they do try to negotiate with me, but, you know, they don't, they, they come with the knowledge that they are secure. And I think, I know that Jesus, you know, that's the reason he starts out that, um, the, 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 the model prayer that he gave us, he starts out with this idea that, that God is Father, because when you rest in him as Father, that's going to be the, the place from which every other thing that we're going to say is going to start with that. When Jesus told us to address God as Father, it was a really, uh, revolutionary thing to say, especially during that day and time. Um, and that's because of the high esteem culturally that the Jewish people had for the name of God. So when, when Jesus says to address God in such a familiar, loving kind of way, I mean, you can just kind of hear the gasp go up from the crowd as he's telling them, this is how you should pray. This is how you should talk to God. So when we address God as Father, we are saying some things about him implicitly. We're saying that uh, like any father should, that he knows what's best for us, that he cares for us, that he loves us. But primarily, I think what we're saying about God is that we can trust him. We really can trust him. But in addition to saying some things about God, we're also saying some things about ourselves when we address God as Father. Not everyone can talk to God like a father. For someone who is not a Christian, you can't address God as father because it's only through Christ and through the gospel that we actually come into a father-child relationship with the Lord. Uh, Father is the Christian name for God, and it's the primary name that we use now because through the gospel, we are the treasured and adopted sons and daughters 
of God. And because we are, that's the right thing for us to call him. We address God in our prayers as father because we've been adopted into his family. We're his son or we're his daughter. And also when you connect with God as father, you're looking for two things. We're all looking as humans for these things from our earthly fathers and from our heavenly father, and that's protection and provision. Protection comes through prayer because we're in God's plan. So we're protected by his plan. We're protected by his love as well. And if we stay in a spirit of prayer and a heart of prayer, then there's a safety that happens with a father-son or a father-daughter relationship we're protected. Second thing is it's a provision. He's providing for us. We're looking to God as the Father who provides. He's gonna provide for our needs. He's gonna provide for our wounds. He's gonna provide for the things that we want. And letting God do that in a fatherly way is the best place of safety for a son or daughter to be. My kids, I want them to know that as their father, I'm their protector and I'm their provider. In the same way in prayer, God is our protector and God is our provider. He wants to work on our souls, protect our souls. And our relationship with God is something we can't do without. We can do with a lot of things we can do without, but not without God as Father, because we need Him so desperately in the way that He's wired us to protect us and to provide. And we find that in prayer by His identity as Father. You know, when we're instructed to pray to God as our Heavenly Father, I think some people do struggle with that because they didn't have a good role model for an earthly father. I'm very blessed. I grew up in a Christian home and my father's my hero. And I know it's incredibly easy for me to trust God because I trust him implicitly. But I also know that if you didn't have a good earthly father, you know what a good father is. <laughs> you know what a good father should do. And God is the perfect father. That's why we can go into the throne room through Jesus Christ and say, Abba, Father. Because once he's given us his spirit, we're his. We belong to him. But not only do we belong to him, he belongs to us. <laughs> I am his, but he's also mine. And once you experience that intimacy of that father-child relationship, it opens up a whole new level of intimacy in your personal prayer time with the Lord. I think as far as God is Father, we have so many people in our churches that don't have a good father figure image. Uh, broken homes, adopted kids, why did my parents abandon me, those kind of questions. The thing that I love about the model prayer is it starts with our Father, not just my Father, our Father. We're a family. The church is a family that, you know, he was the Father of Israel. He was the Father of the nation. Now he's our Father of our church, of our family. And so, you know, I think just the use of the word our instead of my means that, okay, I may not have a good understanding of God as a loving and kind and gracious Heavenly Father, but in the community of prayer and family, I can find somebody that can be that role model. And, and I think you find that in a prayer environment with a church that is hot with prayer. You'll find people that have found what it means to have a loving relationship with a Father. So if I've got a bad experience, God's going to put me in the path of somebody who says, let me tell you what kind of Father He is. He's not the Father who beats us. He's not the Father who curses us. He's the Father who stands on the porch and waits for the prodigal to come home and then just says, come on in. And I just think about that prodigal and I think, you know, here's this kid going, man, I'm sorry I did. And it just, just his dad just going, Shh, don't say a word. Just come on in. And that's the Father. 
Jesus said, if you want to know what the Father's like, look at me. You want to know what the Father is like? We all know prodigals. But the story of the prodigal son, which Jesus would tell in Luke's gospel, is that we have a good father. It's not just a song that we currently sing. It's who he is. Our father. Everything that's good about that word, that's who he is. That's who we're talking to. So when Jesus says, our Father, it's really kind of a shot across the bow. Why? Because Jesus is saying, this is our Father. This is an inclusive term. This is a personal term. And at that point, they knew God as the Father of Israel. But nobody would say personally, he's my Father. But the thing about Jesus is he always referred to God as a personal God. He wasn't just distant like other religions. You know, this distant God, you're praying, wondering if he's hearing. We know he hears. Why? Because he's our Father. And so it just shows us this intimacy of God. And the challenge for some people, I think, is that they have this uh, abusive father as a, as a past uh, experience or an overbearing father, which has been controlling. And so they have this disconnected view of God. And one of the things I want people to realize as they think about prayer Feelings never drive our faith. It's the facts of the Word of God. Facts influence our faith, which faith influence our feelings. So feelings are kind of the caboose of the car. And so we can override our feelings. So if you've had a past father who's been overbearing, abusive, domineering in your life, that's not who God is. Why? Because the Word tells us otherwise. He's an intimate, loving, caring, long-suffering father who desires a relationship with us. And how cool is it that we can cry out to this Father and He hears us because we have a personal relationship with Him through Christ. The idea of God as Father is actually what changed my life. It's what drew me to Jesus. My, my biological dad left our family when I was a little girl. And I remember thinking even as a kid that there must be something wrong with me. You know, either I wasn't pretty enough or sweet enough or didn't use my inside voice enough. And I thought if only I had been better maybe dad wouldn't have walked away. And during that same season, our pastor spoke on the fatherhood of God, how he's not a dad who walks away, whoever abandons his kids. And it was that sermon, and after they sang Just As I Am 752 times, that I walked an aisle and gave my heart to Jesus because I was so desperate for a dad who didn't walk away. So when I pray, and I start my prayer with Father God or God the Father, that totally, it's like it recalibrates my heart, reminds me that he didn't just send Jesus to deliver me from my sins, but he delights in me that God welcomes me into his family, that I'm adopted in. There's something about that relationship that just, it changes the topography of my heart. I go from trying to earn his favor, from realizing he's my dad and he thinks I'm the bomb. So it's so much more than theological to me. It is, it's about relationship. I don't know, I, when I think about God as, as father, I just think about Abba. And I think about little children raising their hands to God or raising their hands to their father and knowing that they are raising their hands to someone who cares for them. Uh, I don't, I think it's First Peter 5, 7 that says, cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. And when you cast your cares upon him as father, you're casting your cares upon um, the one who gave you access to the family in the first place. Like I'm casting my cares as I pray to God as father. I'm casting my cares upon a God that I know, I know knows me and loves me. And he knows my needs and my desires. And he doesn't just have an awareness of it like a distant father, but he has an awareness as, as an intimate father. 
who deeply loves me and wants the best for me and is for me and not against me. And, and that can't be said about false gods and other gods and things that we pursue in life. But when we pursue him as, as our father, we pursue one that we can truly come to uh, with our arms raised, knowing he's going to pick us up every time. Well, acknowledging that God is Father is absolutely critical to your walk with Jesus Christ because understanding what the Father has done for us in loving us and paying the price of sending his one and only Son to become the sacrificial offering for the sins of the world, that's what ultimately gives us the privilege of having direct access to God. I mean, think about how important it is that God loves us right where we are. That once we know Him through His Son, Jesus Christ, we can go to Him anywhere, anytime, about anything in life. I mean, that is absolutely incredible because there are great people all over the world that we would love to have access to, but we have no access. But greater than those people is a Heavenly Father who is more than faithful, who never leaves us, never forsakes us, is always there for us, is the perfect, perfect, good, good Father who is always waiting on us and all for the purpose of having fellowship with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. Well, you know, the, the privilege to address God as Father is, is uh, probably a lot more stunning than most people think. You don't even find that idea throughout the Old Testament. There are occasionally some references to God as the Father of Israel or the, the nation as a whole or even Father in relationship to kind of creation of all mankind. But when we come to this uh, model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, and uh, Jesus invites his disciples or instructs his disciples to pray our Father, it's radical. I mean, it's so radical that we probably just say it and we don't even, don't even stop to pause to what it was. Because while God in the, is revealed in the Old Testament as being a loving God, uh, a shepherd, uh, the idea just didn't come across to Israel that they could ever have the intimacy to say, Our Father. Uh, two different words occur kind of in the Greek uh, for father. One's uh, more formal pater and the other's Abba, which, by the way, is actually transliterated into English Bibles when you see the word Abba. And Paul uses it. Jesus uses it. Jesus first, we find it in his prayer when he says, Father, can this cup be removed from me? He's, he's, he's speaking to his heavenly Father who is indeed Father God in such intimacy that uh, I'm sure the disciples must have been stunned by it. In fact, Paul was. You remember in, in Romans 8, Paul talks about the fact that he was adopted, and, and he was adopted as a son. Now, we have two different images for the relationship that we can have with God in Christ Jesus. One is to be born again, which we understand the, the nature of that new birth, but also adoption because it really focuses on God's choice of us. It's like a adoptive parent saying, you know, I chose you. You, you know, and so in a sense, all of, all of creation, all, all mankind is God's by his creative ability. He's their father in that sense. But now what he's saying is that there's a new dynamic relationship because Jesus is our, in a sense, our elder brother. We're heirs and joint heirs. And Paul would say, and we could cry out, Abba, Father. Uh, if you were to go to the Holy Land today, you would probably hear the word Abba. 
uh, on the street corner. It would be a child who, whose dad may have just gotten off the local transport, and he runs out, and he says, Abba, Abba. And, and it's not like daddy. It's, it's, it, it's a little too common. It does have that intimacy, but it has more respect to it. So when Jesus invites his disciples to say, you can pray our Father, he, he's using the context that now we enter into the very presence of holy God with the intimacy of a child and an heir. And, and, it, and it brings confidence to our asking. You know, the question is, what, you know, I have three daughters. And I have now ten grandkids. And, and the question is, what can they ask you? Well, they can ask me anything they want to because they come in a relationship. They come to me as their dad, as their father who loves them. So there's a lot more to the first two words of the Lord's Prayer than most people imagine. And so when people take prayer casually, it shows they don't really understand the intimacy and the cost, the cost to provide this because you see, that access to the Father was only opened up by Jesus' death on the cross. You see, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody has the access to the Father in John 14. Well, right after that, he goes on to talk about prayer. And so that access was purchased for us by the blood of Christ. And so when we now get out on our knees or we lay in our bed to pray or we stand or wherever we are in whatever context we are, we know that we're addressing the creator of the universe, the sovereign God of the universe in the context of his fatherhood to us through Jesus Christ. I'm going to skip the first question. I hope maybe on the back side of this handout, you'll think about what was the one thing from all that that you, you take from that. But I want to get down to this, this idea of, is acknowledging God as your father difficult for you? Now, some of us in this room may have a hard time saying that out loud, and that's fine. Um, but one of the things I thought about as, as I listened to this, and I think about this idea of starting our prayers with our father. And the difference between Old Testament and New Testament when Jesus comes on the scene with the Sermon on the Mount and, and how he's radically changing the way these Jewish people think. And here he is and he says, and when you pray, I want you to pray to your father. It was personal. This was all of a sudden now they had this personal access to God. Now, later on we know when, when, when the veil is torn, I mean, that, that really, here's a huge picture of this idea that they have access to God the Father. But Jesus starts out going, this is personal. You come to God when you pray. This is why he said go in your closet, right? I mean, I don't, I don't think, I think some of that is related, that he's thinking, hey, get away by yourself. Don't do this in front of the markets, in front of people to, to, for a show, because it's not about a show. This is about a personal relationship that you have with the Father. So what does that mean for you? Is that difficult for you? Is anybody want to share a little bit about that? Maybe something, to, what father means to you, that word? Good or bad?
That's good. Was it hard for you to grasp the idea of God the Father when you don't have that great model as a father in earth? Okay. the Lord he does anybody else you knew it You know, I've thought a lot, especially Hallie now being in middle school and, and hanging out with some friends. There's a lot of her friends that have split homes and don't have fathers. And and when I started thinking about that, and this has been a while, I started thinking about it, thinking about these girls really don't understand the concept of father. It breaks my heart. Then, then when you try to explain to them that they can have a personal relationship with a heavenly father, what does that mean? Does that mean like my earthly father relationship? You know? But I, but I think there's something to this. And I, I wrote this at the top. Knowing him as a good father will change my prayer life forever. It should, right? Because I know he's capable. I know he's loving. I know he wants to protect me. He wants to provide for me. And I know these things about God the Father. So the more I know those things, the more I'm willing to come to him and say, my father, our father, our father. Here's the next question. Why is it essential for our prayers to begin by acknowledging God as our father? Why do you, why do you think that was so important for Jesus to start out that way? Why did he say that? Why is it essential for our prayers to begin by acknowledging God? I'll give you two reasons, then you can, you can add to that. Number one, it reminds us of our relationship with God through Christ. They talked about that a little bit. All the speakers did. Go to 2 Corinthians 6.18. I want to I show you a verse here. This is a quote, um, uh, pieces from the Old Testament that, that Paul uses. He's talking about a certain topic. I can't even get to it. 2 Corinthians 6.18, he's talking about not being yoked with unbelievers. But there's a, there's a passage in here that I think it still speaks to us about this. And it says this in verse 18. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. I don't know about you, but that's pretty encouraging. I will be a father to you. I had a pretty good father um, growing up. I did. And, and, and I still to this day, as, as I remember my dad, I think about times and things I did with my dad. It reminds me of the kind of relationship that we had. When, when I just say my father's name or I see a picture on the wall of my father, 
it, it, you know, it's, it's hard, but it reminds me. We had a good relationship, and I'll never forget. This is crazy. I'll never forget. Me and my dad were closest two, three years before he died. And I didn't have a bad relationship with my dad growing up. I loved my dad and had a great relationship, but we got the closest when I got older, and I began to understand what it is to be a father. For me, it was all of a sudden I knew now all that he had put up with. You know what I'm saying? I was talking to a student the other day, and they were listening to my story, and they go, what? That was you? And I'm telling you something. All that my dad put up with. But I began to understand and respect and be- begin to see what it means to be a father. It reminds us of our relationship with God through Christ. He says, I will be your father. It also reminds us of the unique privilege we have in Christ. The unique privilege we have in Christ. They talked about this. Turn to Ephesians 1, 3. I want you to see this passage. Ephesians 1, 3. Paul starts off, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And now listen to what he says. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have the redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that, we la- that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their full fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. He goes on and continues on to talk about all these blessings that we received from Christ through the Father what he's done for us. This unique privilege of adoption. I've gotten to know Carlton a little bit over here. Um, and I don't, Carlton don't sleep, I don't think much. Um, that little guy's sleeping right there. Uh, he's fostering. That's one of his foster kids. And, and I'm going to tell you something. The more I've talked to Carlton and I listen to Kristen and what they've done in fostering these kids and then also adopting two little girls. Man, all of a sudden you begin to understand what God's done for us. I, I was enemies with God, but yet he chose me. He adopted me into his family. He made me a part. This unique privilege that we have to call him father. We deserve it? No. I, I think about this. I didn't, I didn't choose my kids. I just, I'm stuck with them. No, I'm just kidding. That's that. But, but I didn't. I didn't choose my kids, right? But think about this. That first time I saw my daughter, Hallie, you know what? I loved her. It it wasn't like I looked at her and I I went, hmm, I wonder if I'm ever going to love her. I wonder if she's the one. (laughs) All of a sudden, but God, even though I was an enemy, Dead in my sins. He, my father, chose me, adopted me into the family of God. Why is it essential for our prayers to begin by acknowledging God as our father? Because it reminds us of our relationship with God through Christ, but it also reminds us of the unique privilege we have 
because of Christ, in Christ. Every time we go to the Lord in prayer, now, now let, me, let me ask you this. If I start to acknowledge him as my father when I go to him in prayer, am I going to be selfish that much? God, I don't deserve what you've done for me. Father, I don't deserve any of this. It's essential that we begin by acknowledging God as our Father. Jesus tells us that. I was reading through, I even looked up, if you go to BibleGateway.com, you can put in a word, you know, in the search bar, and you can search, and it'll give you every time that word's mentioned in the Old and New Testament. Now, you go to the New Testament, and the word Father is used a lot of different ways. So, I mean, we can't really say it, but oh, oh, probably over 150, I'm going to say 150 times where the Father is mentioned in the New Testament. All of a sudden, this relationship between man and God, when we get to the New Testament, has completely changed to be an intimate relationship with God the Father. There's this dynamic, this new dynamic that the Israelites truly didn't understand until now Christ has come. And he says, when you pray, pray our Father in heaven. It's essential that we begin that way. So what are we communicating about ourselves when we call God Father in our prayers? Number four, I want you to go to Galatians chapter four. I love this passage. And, and I think this just kind of sums it up. But when we call God Father in prayer, we are communicating, what are we communicating about ourselves? Galatians 4. I want to I start, actually, I think uh, earlier on. Verse 1, listen to this. Paul says, what, am, what I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. He's talking about the law and all this kind of stuff. And then he says this. So also when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. I'll go back and read that again in verse 5. What what? to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out what? Abba, Father. Verse seven, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you a what? An heir. Check this out. And this is, I'm not making light of my relationship with my father, but when, when my father passed away, I did not inherit a huge estate. All right, I'm just going to say it. I didn't, I didn't, you know, some people come away with millions of dollars and they're like, man, I don't know what to do with all this money. I'm going I'm to be honest with you. I did not get that. And I doesn't change my relationship with my father. I still love him just as much. But, but look at this. God chose us and not only took us away from slavery, took us out of slavery, and no longer enemies of him. He not only adopted us and made us a part of the family, but he did what? He also made us an heir. Inherit all. Everything that Christ inherited, we inherit. That's huge. 
That's big. So when I call God Father in prayer, all of a sudden I'm communicating about myself that I'm a part of his family. I'm not only now a son or daughter of God, but I'm an heir in Christ. No longer a slave to the law. Now I'm free in Christ. Yes. That's good. Wow. Wow. I can disinherit Jack, but not an adopted kid. <laughs> but that's good. Think about this. I, I think the, the, the moral of the story is that God, I mean, not that God would ever think of him disinheriting them. This is something he chose to do on his own. He said, listen. Not only are you a son, but now you're also an heir. So let me ask you this. How can remembering that we're God's adopted children change the way we pray? I want you to answer that. How can remembering that, God, that we're God's adopted children change the way we pray? What do you think? I like what you said, he knows who I am. You know, that's right, he knows your voice. Yes. I think next week we'll get into a little bit about when we talk, hallowed be your name. That it's not just this casual father. That there is some kind of, you know, king, kingship to him. So go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. I want to show you this. Verse 1, chapter 3, 1 John, it says this, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. I love that the NIV put a little exclamation point there. (laughs) That is what we are. We are children of God. So when I come to God in prayer as a son, 
of the creator, the king. I know that he is my father, that it is personal and intimate, and he has lavished on me this love and called me his child. Hebrews 4.16 then says, let us then approach the throne of grace with what? Confidence. Confidence. So how does knowing that God is your father give you confidence to approach him in prayer? How does, how does that help? It, there's obviously something that Jesus is trying to get across when he says, pray like this, our father. He starts this way for a reason. And I think part of it is just because of this idea of what we have in our head about our father. Now, hopefully it's a good example. If it's not, then, then we have to really study hard to figure out what a good father's like, like finding that model but here it is. How does knowing that God is your Father give you confidence to approach Him in prayer? That's good, Mike. And, and I like what you said at the end when I stop and think about that. This is what I want to encourage you with tonight, this week. Before we come back in here next week and talk about the worthiness of God, that we would even come to him. Listen to this. This week when you pray, maybe every day, every morning, every night, in the afternoon, whenever it is, when you stop, what I want you to do is this. When you go into your prayer closet, when you go into that, that, that idea of, okay, I'm, I'm about to pray, I want you to pause with just the word, our Father. Not just to recite something, not just to memorize something like it becomes just repetitive to us. But I want you to start your prayer this week going, our Father, and stop. Think about that. Maybe it takes you back to a moment when you were in the presence of your Father here on earth. And you begin to think about what that means for your Heavenly Father to you. You are in the presence of the Almighty God. You are in the presence of the creator of the universe, the king of kings. Right now, you have a privilege of just calling him father. And in his presence. Maybe in that moment, it's just feeling God's arms wrapped around you and saying, wow, I miss that. Maybe some of us have not been in prayer time like that. Maybe sometimes we get so busy and I have this on my phone. I have a list of prayers, of people, of problems, 
of issues and, and we go with our list and we just read off and say, God, would you work in this? Would you work in this? Maybe, you know, before I pick that up, maybe before I even look at my list and my request and, and names and all that, but I just say, Father, I just bask in the presence of God, knowing that he loves me, that he cares for me, that he will protect me, that he will provide for me, and that no matter what I ask after that, I know it's going to be taken care of. How good is that? And again, so wrapped up in what we think prayer is and what we need. Let's just, let's just enjoy the presence of God this week. You take out time in your day and instead of praying through your list, it's just over and over, Father, Father, Father. Maybe somebody here tonight just needs to hear that he is a good father and that he wants to meet with you. He wants to be in your presence. I believe God wants to do something in our prayer lives. And what he's asking right now is just, just come and sit with me. Come sit at my feet right now. Take care of that laundry list later. Let's just enjoy time together. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that it is personal. We thank you that it is intimacy. We thank you that we can come to you as children, as heirs, sons and daughters. Come and we just bow down before you, God. Help us as we come to you in each day in our prayers, Father. Just to, just to be in your presence is enough. Recognize how important it is that we come to you in our prayers. They are Father in heaven. I thank you so much for what you've done in my life and taught me through tonight. Pray this in your son's holy name.